Okay, now it's my turn. Broker Dash Talk. Broker Dash Talk. Broker Dash Talk. Oh man, do we need some work on that? Okay, this is Jim Lowenstern. My co-host is Larry Lawfer, the great harmonizer, <laughs> and we have a great show coming at you today. Who are our guests? Our guest. Well, our guest comes to us from um, from Texas today. He is a create a credit consultant at Lenders Choice Credit Solutions. And, you know, uh, uh, in our industry, um, it can be embarrassing if you have some financial difficulties. And I, I have found that it's easier to talk about your erectile dysfunction than it is your bad credit. <laughs> so, um, Seriously? <laughs> who, who knew this about you, Larry? <laughs> I would have... You outed yourself. <laughs> no, no. Here, here, let me show you right here. <laughs> Anyway, uh, Dane Wilson um, is uh, father started this company, and Dane is taking it over right now. Welcome aboard, Dane. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. I hope we don't embarrass you. <laughs> um, oh, so far, so good. So far, so good. So, um, speaking of credit, I know that you can help everyone. Um, I, I absolutely love your tagline, uh, where you do all the work, uh, we do all the work, and you get all the credit. I think people like it when uh, they're helped like that. What are some of the things that you're able to do for people, and who are the kinds of people that that uh, call you, Dane? So mostly it's people that are wanting to buy a house. Uh, the majority of the clients that we help come from a realtor or loan officer, and so it's people that are you know, four to six months out from wanting to buy a house and they just need a bump in scores, whether that be so that they can just qualify uh, or whether it be so that they can go conventional instead of FHA if they need their scores a little bit higher. So majority of the people, that, that's, that's the situation that they're in. But we, we help everybody. People find us online, car dealerships, things like that. So majority come from, uh, from that. And, and so kind of a two-part process of what we do is Number one, we work to get negative accounts removed, inaccurate, outdated, uh, unverifiable accounts removed as many as possible. And while we're doing that, we consult with them on everything they can be doing to, to boost their scores through building more positive payment history. Okay, so I, so I have a question about, about all that. Let's say someone has, a, this has nothing to do with them getting a loan, but they, they really just want to get their credit up as high as they can, and maybe they're already over 800. First of all, what is a perfect FICO score? So perfect FICO score is 850. Uh, scores, most FICO scores range from 300 to 850. So 850, in a lot of cases, the top FICO score you can add. There's so many different scoring models out there now, though. You might see things online that say it goes up to 900, stuff like that. But the, the FICO scores that we all know and use for, for most things are uh, – uh, 850 would be the top score. So, so how how would one have? Uh, let's work it from the top down. Uh, how how does someone get a perfect FICO score? If, is is that even possible? Yeah, yeah, I know a couple people uh, that that have a perfect FICO score. I'm not one of them, unfortunately. I'm 29, and and in a lot of cases, once you have everything else, and I'll go through it real quickly. But uh, age of age of your credit history is a, is a big factor, and so some, sometimes 
if you've only got, you know, five, six, seven years of, of payment history, that's just not enough to have a perfect 850 yet. And so really, to the five main categories of FICO score, you got to have perfect payment history, no late payments, no collections, nothing like that. Then you want to have very low uh, limit or balance to limit ratios on credit cards and things like that. So keeping your balances paid off or down extremely low. Uh, and then length of credit history is important. They look at your oldest open account and your average age of open accounts. And so having a uh, length of credit history is, is very important. So credit cards help there more than really anything else can because you can get a credit card at a young age and keep it forever. Uh, and then types of credit is important. You can't just have one credit card or just a car payment only. Uh, you, having different types of open accounts just shows that you can manage that and so you look like less of a risk. And then the last category is inquiries. You just can't be applying too often. Okay. So, so yeah, that's good. So, um, let, let's start it the other way. Most people come to you, as you said, for uh, they're looking for homeowners. So, we as real estate agents know that sometimes 620 is enough. Talk about the bottom level and, and um, how you get them up in a six-month period. Yeah, so um, most of the clients come to us in the low to mid fives, and, you know, we know that they need to get to a 580, you know, 610, 620, whatever the case may be, minimum 580 in a lot of cases. And so what we're doing, again, is as fast as possible, we're going to get as many of the negative accounts off as we can, because typically that, that's all they need. If they have some medical bills, some old collection accounts that are with third-party companies, things like that, a lot of that can be removed relatively easy and quickly. You get as much off of that as you can. You settle anything else you know, for a removal if you can. And then from there, it's about looking at all the positive accounts that they have and figuring out what you can do to maximize that. Do they have enough open accounts or the balance is low? Can they get added to husband or wife's account as an authorized user on a card? Uh, you know, are, are the open accounts that they do have, are they reporting on all three bureaus? Is there any inaccurate information that could be causing them to have, not have as many points as they could possibly get? Meaning like if an account hasn't been reported lately and so some of the payment history is not there those little things we work on just to make sure we're getting them every single point possible and then we just monitor it month by month and as soon as they hit the the you know the qualifying mark we send them right back to the lender do you have any particular companies that are more difficult to work with than others well the, the companies that are most difficult to work with are your big creditors that you think of capital one amex those big accounts where they hold their, their accounts for a longer period of time, Bank of America, things like that, those companies are always tougher to deal with because they're just on their game pretty good. They keep accurate records. Most of what they report is correct, and they're just not likely to give up. You know, Whereas when stuff gets sold to third-party companies or smaller creditors that just don't have the resources to manage all the data they have very well, it just, it's easier to find ways to get things deleted. Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, living a good credit life, what is that like? Um, I, I had heard that you never want to go over, if you have a $1,000 credit limit, you want to keep it under $300. Um, you don't want to pay it off too quickly. Are, are these accurate or is it just uh, an old real estate tale? Well, it's, you know, it goes further than just real estate, but that is the number. The 30% utilization number is kind of what everybody says and talks about. The problem is a lot of people try to keep their credit cards at 30% all the time, and that's the absolute max you would ever want to have your scores. That really you want to have them, or not scores, 
your uh, balance is much lower than that. And the single-digit utilization is maximizing your scores. Anything under 30% is or around that is, is fine. As you get if you go above 30%, it's going to really start to affect your scores negatively. But you don't want to just hover at 30% all the time. Uh, that's you. You know, I'm, I'm almost certain that the credit card companies came out with this rumor because they just want to make sure that everybody's paying interest to them every month instead of just paying their credit cards off in full. So paying your cards off in full every month is absolutely fine. You can still have phenomenal scores, and it's not costing you anything. Uh, but if you want to maximize your scores, the ideal utilization percentage would be single-digit utilization. Why is that? That doesn't. It's counterintuitive. I mean, it's saying you can't, you can't pay it off, right? Why would you keep uh, a balance uh, of any sort? Yeah. Good, good, good question. So I'll give you the answer that they give, and then I'll give you what I truthfully think the answer is. So what they say is, is they just want to uh, see activity. You know, the more activity, it just because if you're not using your card, if you're paying them off in full, or if it's not showing any activity, then that's not really showing that you can pay a bill on time. And it's all about payment history and being able to pay a bill and stuff like that. And so if your card's just paid off in full every month, you're not paying interest, you're not really paying a bill. So there is no payment history of you making payments. So that's what they say. They say if there's activity on the card every month and you're using it and you're making payments, that's showing them that you can handle it and you can make payments. And so that they reward you with higher scores. So the scores actually typically you see go a little bit higher if you're single digit versus paid off. Now, what I think is, is that's how they make a lot of their money. You know, obviously every time you swipe a card, they make money off of that, but they also make tons of money just off people leaving balances on their credit cards every month and, and paying interest. So it's in their best interest to, to kind of set the, set the system up that way that, that makes them more money. Okay, so um, I'm, I'm thinking right now uh, in my mind about what my credit report would look like, and there's probably credit cards on there that I haven't used in years, literally. Um, good idea to get rid of them or leave them on there? Or use uh, so them. I, ne I never recommend closing an open account, especially a credit card, because those are just the best things you have, especially if there's age to them. There's just nothing better. Like people would kill for that. They're trying to buy a house and their oldest credit card's two months old. You know, and so I, I wouldn't. But it all just depends on what your goals are. If you're not going to be applying for anything anytime soon and your goal is to just not have as much of a headache or not to deal with it or whatever, it's not going to benefit you credit score-wise to close them. Uh, but, you know, that, it, it all just kind of depends on what someone's goal is. But I, I would never advise anybody to close an open account, especially an aged credit card. That's, that's you know, people pay illegally. I don't believe in selling trade lines, but people do it. They sell accounts like that to other people because it's so valuable. Sure, they're making tons of money on that. Um, what are some of the, uh, with people who do what you do, um, I know I've gotten uh, a number of calls uh, from people, and, and some of it just feels sleazy. You know, here, I'll help you, and, you know, it just cost you this much. And So what are some of the things to avoid in, in uh, your industry? And I can tell you some of the things to avoid with a real estate agent. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, it's a good question. I mean, so, so start, for starters, there's a law called CROA, uh, Credit Repair Organizations Act, and it just says what credit repair companies can't do. And you can't charge upfront fees. You can't make guarantees. I can't, like, promise one of your clients that I can get them to a 720 in four months. Uh, so, so no upfront fees, no guarantees. Make sure they're licensed and bonded. Make sure they're legitimate. You know, registered Secretary of State, little, little things like that. 
But one personal thing that I think is I wouldn't ever hire a company that has bad reviews online, even if they have a lot of good reviews. So there's companies obviously out there that just have a ton of bad reviews. They might be a scam. They may not just know what they're doing, whatever. But there's also a lot of companies that have a lot of good reviews, but they also have some bad ones too. Even if you look at those reviews, you might think, well, that client might have been just a little bit difficult. But how I feel about that is that company's just not communicating very well, and they're not setting expectations up front for what's possible, what to expect with ongoing good communication. So that client's frustrated, and that's why they're writing the review. And so we've not had any issues with that because we talk to the client so much and because we set expectations up so well from the beginning. There's no no surprises. There is no way they could be upset with us any time throughout the process. And so those are the things I look for. No upfront fees, no crazy guarantees that sound too good to be true. And then if they have any kind of bad reviews online, you know, I mean, that's, that's something to be said. You know, I mean, a lot of commission salespeople will tell you what they need to say to get you to enroll and make it sound better than it is. And, and then you get four or five months down the road, and it's not what you thought it was going to be, but yet you spent all that money. So um, I'm thinking in terms of uh, do-it-yourself and the, the Internet. At, at this point uh, in in my industry, you know, you go to the internet, how do I sell my house by myself without a broker, without paying a commission? And then there'll be, you know, 10 million results there. And uh, I'm I'm assuming there's the same thing in your industry that a lot of the stuff that you do, people can do on their own, correct? Well, technically, yes. Not only is that technically, yes, that's, I mean, it's completely correct. Uh, that's part of Crow as well in the agreements that we send out for clients when they enroll in our services. Um, we, a part of that we have to put in our agreement is that, yes, we have to make it clear you can do this yourself. So that kind of goes along with you can represent yourself in court. There's a lot of things you can do. You can sell your own house, but that would be like me telling you guys today, uh, you, know, I, you know, I could be a realtor. I could, I could sell as many houses as you. Like, well, mm, probably not. Can you technically? Sure. But is it a good idea? Is it the best use of your time? No, it's, it's not. I mean, hiring a professional is the best way to do it. And so when a client mentions that to me, well, maybe I'll just think about doing it myself. You know, what's your game plan? Do you understand the laws, the consumer protection laws that you have, the Fair Credit Reporting Act, the Fair Debt Collection Practices Act, HIPAA, all the laws that allow you to dispute things? Do you understand those? Because if you don't, you, you, can't, you can't make any progress other than just doing what you should be doing anyway, have a couple open accounts, keep your balances low, pay your bills on time. Do you charge the same fee to everyone, or is yep. there a, a yep. variance? Yep. We, yep, we charge we charge per negative account we get deleted. So we're one of the few companies that don't – a lot of companies just charge right up front the whole service. They look at your credit report based on the amount of work, how long it's going to take. They give you a number. And that's it. You pay it then, and then they'll start. Well, that I mean, it's illegal. That's a violation of fair credit or the uh, the Crow law. But people do it, and, and nobody really ever gets. Every once in a while, you'll hear that the FTC or the CFPB came down on somebody. But there's there's so many people doing it just fine. The the most normal type of pricing for credit repair is monthly, paying a hundred bucks a month, two hundred bucks a month. So you're paying for their time. You're not paying for results. And so we along, there's a few other companies that do this as well. We charge per negative account, we get deleted. So if a month goes by, they don't get anything deleted, they don't pay. If two months go by, we don't get anything deleted, they pay $50 per negative account, we get deleted per credit bureau, but then we allow them to pay that out and they pay off their balance. So everybody knows right up front, it's all over the, our website and the internet, exactly what that looks like. 
you know, if we get 10 items deleted, that's $500. You pay $100 a month for five months. We call you every month. We set up the, pay, the payment on the date that you want. So we're very flexible. We cap the bills on the high end. If a client comes in the program and has 20, 30, 40 negative, you know, things, we're not going to let their bill get, you know, outrageous or anything like that. But we'll, we'll agree on that before they enroll so they know exactly what the most is they could pay. Uh, but then I'll also kind of give them an average, you know, about what they could look to pay. I think transparency is what everybody wants in, in anything right. related to their money. I, I want to hear a, a, a story from, from your from your interaction with clients. Uh, what, what, what's, uh, what's like the most difficult um, client you had in, in, in getting their, uh, their credit re- repaired? Well, so people just don't realize how difficult it can be to deal with the credit bureaus sometimes. And so sometimes things that, you know, in theory should be very simple to handle uh, a, a case where you know the account's not yours, it should not be on there, and you just believe it should be a quick fix, turns into a four to six months, you know, deal. And so those kind of things can be really annoying on our end because, you know, it, it, in a way it looks like, you know, well, why, why can't you get it off? This should be an easy fix. And it's just dealing with the bureaus sometimes can be very difficult because they don't always do what they're supposed to do. You know, what are you going to do? Are you going to sue them? Probably not, you know. And so, uh, and so dealing with the bureaus sometimes can be difficult. And so th- those are the situations that can be most frustrating to me uh, because we're just all kind of, you know, getting frustrated. Why isn't, getting, why isn't it getting done yet? What can we do? That sort of thing. Uh, other than that, you know, the, the most difficult situations are just, you know, where collection companies are, uh, you know, they'll sell the debt. You know, a third-party collection company will start disputing it with them. We'll send debt validation. They'll remove it, but then they'll sell it to another company, and then they bounce around and they do that, and it's just kind of playing games with the client a little bit while, in the meantime, they're not able to buy a house. Okay. Broker Talk is sponsored today by Castles Unlimited, where you get the best real estate offers online. Always go to castlesunlimited.com for all your real estate needs. And um, Dane, uh, can you work with people out of Texas or is, is this Credit Solutions uh, a state thing? No, we, we work in a lot of states. There's some states that we don't work in because of the laws. You know, Georgia is, is one, uh, Louisiana, South Carolina. There's, there's certain states that kind of have strict laws with credit repair. Uh, but there are a lot of states that we work in. We probably have clients in, in around 35 states right now, is my guess. <laughs> it's, it's interesting you mentioned all southern states. Um, mm-hmm. I, I have a question. Uh, rampant um, identity theft. Uh, that must affect credit scores. Uh, mm-hmm. h- how, how do you uh, deal with that? People that come to you that have trash credit, and it really wasn't even their fault. Right, so you immediately put a freeze on, you know, all three credit bureaus. It's free now to do that. So you immediately want to put a freeze so nothing else happens. Uh, any paperwork that you get, you want, obviously, to collect all of that. You're going to uh, file a police report. You can file a, a, a report also with the FTC website, and then you're going to send that information into the, uh, to the credit bureaus with kind of a summary paragraph of what happened. And so you kind of stop the bleeding so it doesn't continue to happen. And then you address each situation individually. You file a complaint, explain kind of your side of the story and stuff like that. And then you send copies of that to the credit bureaus. So how do people un, undo the, the theft of their, uh, of their identity? 
Well, by filing a police report, I mean, I mean that that's all you can do. Really? You know, I, okay. I've had a lot of cases where somebody's known the other person, you know, and they did it behind their back, you know, family member or whatever, and they don't want to file a police report against the person, and so nothing can be done at that point. You're you're out of luck. So you you have to file a police report and let them uh, let them deal with it. But as far as getting it off your credit report, that's not as you know usually not as hard as as you think. Once you send them in a police report. And you know, and an explanation of kind of what happened, they'll they'll remove it from the report. So when people come to us and say, "Oh, um, you know, I want to rent this apartment, for example, because we do rentals," uh, mm -hmm. and they say, uh, "But I just want you to know, I have a low credit score, but that's because of um, identity theft." Is that um, usually maybe just a a, a, a slight um, untruth? Yeah, probably. I mean, I you know, I, you hear stuff like that all the time. I mean, everybody's that account's not mine. That's not my fault. And so, I mean, obviously, sometimes it's not, but but probably a lot of times uh, it, it is their account, you know, or or you know, maybe it's something that got sold to a third party collection company and they don't recognize it, and so they assume it's not theirs, uh, you know. But but if if those if you refer those clients to me and just say, hey, they'll help you with the identity theft stuff for free. We'll, we'll find out pretty quickly if it actually is theirs or not based on what they're, you know, willing to do about it. I have a, um, a client right now who's in one of my rentals and he wants to own it. He wanted to buy it right from the get-go, but um, a girlfriend, a living girlfriend, had run up $250,000 worth of credit. I said, how in the world <laughs> could she be spending all of this money and you not be paying attention? Right. But mm -hmm. uh, but she, cars. There was oh, she bought cars. She bought cars. She she wow. got her family a whole bunch of stuff. Oh, nice. So uh, so he's in the, in the repair uh, mode right now, and we're going to give him a lease to own the 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 property. But uh, it's ugly. You got to pay attention to what's going on. You got to look at your bills. So so in that case, he's living with this woman no she's out well uh, yeah she's uh, gone yeah but but even so so she was doing that while she was living with him yeah so yeah he has no recourse against her he can't this I, is this i think he might but i don't think he wants to he's uh risk averse okay he okay. just a he should be a little more risk averse than his dating <laughs> okay <laughs> maybe not her <laughs> all right any more questions for dane um Dane, what have we not asked you that's, that uh, you hear almost every day as you're working? Uh, most of the questions that I get asked are just about, like, credit scores. Why is Credit Karma inaccurate? Should I pay off this collection account? Should I not? Just, just, just basic stuff like that. What, what normal people are seeing is they're seeing, oh, I went online and pulled my credit report at Credit Karma, and they said I'm at a 680, but then I go to a loan officer, and they said I'm at a 520. Why is that? Uh, and then a, a lot of a lot of things I hear is uh, you, you ask me questions about managing credit card balances and stuff like that. That's a big one. And then you know, knowing when to pay off collections, what to pay off, and, and that sort of thing is stuff that people struggle with because this is just not readily available knowledge. And so people make a lot of mistakes, and you can actually drop your scores trying to do the right thing. You know, and so those those are the types of questions I get a lot. So that that is a good question, though. So the credit karma. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, and the, and the credit card uh, companies online they give you a 
every now and then I'll have someone come through and they, they print out their credit score and they say, well, you know, we, you don't have to run uh, the credit report for me because here's, here's my number. And when we <laughs> do run it, it is, it, it's never higher. Let's put it that way. Wh why is it always lower and why are those numbers, where are they getting those numbers in the first place? Good question. So the analogy I use just to simplify it is think about an iPhone versus an Android. So two different products. So the FICO scores are, are scores that everybody thinks about when you think about credit scores. They kind of dominated the market for a long time. FICO scores, you just think of it about that. Well, the credit bureaus came together and they started a new scoring model called Vantage scores. Okay, so a lot of the sites online, the Credit Karma's, Credit Sesame's, the sites most people use because they're free are not FICO scores at all. They're called Vantage scores. So they're just calculated totally different. If you look at how FICO scores are calculated, basically there's five main categories. And if you think about like a pie chart, each one of the five categories has a different weight. So they look at your payment history and they judge it based on a certain percentage, your credit card balances. Well, Vantage doing the same sort of thing, they're just, they just calculate it totally different. They look at maxed out credit cards and they penalize you this much, whereas FICO penalizes you a different amount. So they look at every aspect of your credit report, they just, they score it differently. So it's just, it would be a complete coincidence if your credit karma scores were the exact same as what a loan officer pulled or a car dealership. And so even with, within FICO scores, there's a lot of different, a lot of different scoring models. And so then it's like, think about FICO scores like an iPhone. Well, a new scoring model comes out every year. So every year there's a new FICO model. They score things a little differently. They, the newer models might say that uh, rental history can report and help your score or that uh, Experian Boost, you know, those things or your utilities can report or any collection under $200 doesn't affect your score negatively anymore. So they, they're kind of playing with it and just doing different things. And so people have access to these sites online. And so they go, you know, oh, I am pulling my FICO. But it's still not going to be the same as what uh, a loan officer pulls. They're pulling an older model FICO score. And so all these new things that are coming out and you see online, I used uh, Experian Boost and my score went up eight points. It's not going to help you when you go to a loan officer. That's, uh, that's interesting. Um, I, I think that um, this is like pulling the curtain back on, on this industry has been very helpful, and I know our audience will appreciate it, Dane. Thank you so much for uh, being a guest today. Um, I might have already, knowing what I know about my credit, I might have not have my ED issue ever again. <laughs> good, good to know. That's funny. Thanks, Dane. Well, thank you all for having me. I appreciate it. Broker Talk is a weekly podcast hosted by real estate industry professionals and always dedicated to telling it like it is. Find us at broker-talk.com. Hit them with the hind. See you next week. Bye-bye. My bills are all...